morning. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship this morning at Central Baptist Church, that you could be a part of worship here this morning. Um, where uh, you'll find uh, some visitors cards in the pew racks in front of you. If, uh, if you're new here and you'd like to know a little more about Central, feel free to fill one of those out and put it in the offering plate as it goes by, or you can put it at the sign-up table afterwards. Um, but we're so glad that you are joined, have joined us here for worship and want you to know that your presence is a blessing to us this morning. I don't know about you, but have you ever had a week where you felt slightly overwhelmed and maybe moderately incompetent? Um, no, 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 no. It's just me, though. So sorry. Um, but uh, but that was kind of that was kind of my my week this week. And as I was uh, working out in the basement, trying to do some you know one-legged squat thing and failing miserably at it, I realized um, to uh, that you know it's in the struggle. It's in sometimes the times when we are uncomfortable, whenever growth can happen, whenever a change can take place. And I thought I have had an epiphany and my life shall be different now. Um, have, has anybody had an epiphany at a point in time? Perhaps, yeah. And it lasted for, you know, at least a good 20 minutes, which was pretty good for my epiphanies. Um, and, uh, and so later on, I found myself kind of back in the same boat. But I ended up at a at story group on Wednesday night where we were sharing stories, um, some happy, some sad about our lives and realized that sometimes the arc of our narrative, really it, it's not about the single episode, but it's about what we do with those episodes. It's about the longer trajectory of the story that happens in our lives. And whenever we can share that story in a place where there is love and compassion and grace, Maybe we can find a way to carry those stories with us more gracefully than we could have before because we know that we are loved and we are accepted. And this is a place this morning where we hope that you know that you are loved and you are accepted, not just because I say so, but because God has welcomed us all here just as we are to be our true selves and our full selves, um, all that we are, and to be welcomed into this beautiful and loving uh, fellowship of grace. So thank you for being here this morning. Let's worship together.
Please join me in the call to worship. Come and celebrate. Sing joyfully to the Lord your God. Everything on earth joins the chorus, singing praise to the living creator. Come and see what our God has done, what awesome things God has done. We glorify God with our praise. Croaking frogs and chirping crickets, singing birds and howling wolves. Let the whole world bless our God and sing God's praise. For our lives are in God's hands, for God and God keeps our feet from stumbling. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, often we are stymied out of how to even start the conversation with you. Often we are overwhelmed by the events in our world, our nation, our community, and our own personal lives. Where do we begin and where do we start? In those times, help us to simply remember you are always with us in spite of all that is around us. You are with us. As remember you are with us, help us to simply start a conversation with you and to humbly seek your guidance in all we do. 
Help us remember to rely upon this community of faith you have given to us to make a change in all around us by showing your love to all we encounter. In your name we pray. Amen. It's a beautiful thing to see the church at worship as we greet one another this morning and welcome each other into the presence of God. Now we're going to take a few moments to pray together. Um, in, in, in our hustle and bustle of our lives, it can be hard sometimes, I think, just to stop. So we'll take a few moments this morning and maybe you need to take a deep breath and just be for just a moment. And we can listen and we can pray together this morning. So I'll pray and then I'll leave some spaces here for you to say some prayers to God. And maybe your prayer to God this morning is just your breath and just breathing. Maybe it's listening this morning. Um, maybe there aren't words for your prayers this morning. But we can do our best to open our hearts to God and to know that we're in a community of folks who are doing the same as we pray together this morning. Let's pray. God, there is a world outside these walls. Landscapes draped in blues and greens, pocked with yellows and reds. We pray together for this world. God, there is a world inside this room. Shoes that carry dust from near and far. Hearts tinged with joy and sorrow. So we pray together for this world. There is a world in each of us, O oh God, souls that surge with joyful breakers, minds with stirring storms. So we pray together for this world. 
There is a world inside this room, O God. Hands that lift each other up. Shoulders that share the load. We pray together for this world. There is a world outside these walls, O oh God. Eyes that see freedom's bones, legs that burn to justice. We pray together for this world. All these worlds, O oh God, are wrapped in you. All these worlds wrapped in you. O oh God, bring your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a marvelous hymn. Let's pray together, please. Dear God, we recognize that we, that we live in a world that glorifies 
those who come in first, those who are great, those who gain, those who win, whatever that means. And yet, your word, your message to us stands in stark contrast to that, to that our hearts need also to go to the last and to the least. We pray, God, that you will give us those hearts this morning, that as we give our tithes and our offerings, that, we, that they come from a place that says, let them go to those who greatly need. In Christ's name I pray. Um, please stand as you are able for this reading from the Gospel of Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine? Where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.
Methodist pastor Barbara Scholas knew she had cancer before it was actually diagnosed. Before the initial examination and the ordering of tests, before the MRI and the results of the blood work, before the four days of seven biopsies, before she heard those official sounding words in the mouth of her physician, lobular invasive carcinoma, she knew she was in trouble. Writing about her story from 2004, she relates how in those early days when the results and the word cancer began to sink in, I cried when I got out of bed. I cried when I was in the shower. I cried when putting on my makeup. I cried when driving to work. I sat at my desk and I couldn't stop the flow of tears. And from a distance of time and space, we hear the words of ten lepers crying out, calling out from a distance, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, hear them. Jesus hears them and sees them. As I believe Jesus always does and still does in hearing and seeing the anxieties of the whole world, including those worries burdened by little old you and not so little old me. I actually meant to say not so little, not so little old. But in our story, Jesus sees and heals them. We don't know why everyone Jesus sees in distress. He does not so immediately heal. It may have something to do with proximity. Though we know Jesus can heal from a long distance. It may, we, it may be because we as God's people need some unredeemed space in order to work in. Certainly, now 2,000 plus years later, we all must know how healing is multifaceted, involving physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, interpersonal, social, and cultural dimensions. And so because this is so mysterious, where healing can occur at so many different levels, it must be approached gently in the power of grace that we receive through faith rather than through a clear-cut understanding. Reverend Scholas speaks of the spiritual insights she gained during her fight and challenge of cancer there at her doorstep. And this prayer, embroidered on her heart and silently spoken on her lips several times throughout each day, to seek God, to see God, 
to choose life. People still can contract leprosy or Hansen's disease as it is known. Some 200,000 new cases recorded globally a year with three million living with the irreversible damage including deformities of the hands and the feet, kidney failure, and blindness, which makes it even more remarkable that one of them, upon examining his skin, saw that he was healed. And he turned back, praising God and humbling himself before our Lord in an extravagant display of sincere gratitude. And Luke, by telling us of this episode of God's visitation of goodness into our human experience, cycles us back to one of his favorite questions. Who is my neighbor. The grateful one, the one who returned back to Jesus to give thanks, happened to be a Samaritan. Just like that good man from Jesus' most famous parable. This one, here in Luke 17, an ever more, even more unlikely choice, diseased and isolated, of dubious pedigree, coming from the other side of the fence, violating ethnic and purity boundaries, this one who takes a little more initiative and moves himself from being declared clean to becoming spiritually transformed in what some have called a two-stage soteriology, demonstrating how we can be made totally new inside and out, restored and saved. Who is your neighbor? Would you rather live next door to someone who crossed a desert to be an American or live next door to an American who wouldn't go across the street to help a friend? What wise theologians now boldly teach is how diversity is at the heart of God's own creation. And whatever diversity we share as members of the human family is a beautiful expression of God's own diversity within God's own Trinitarian self. In God's economy, there are no expressions of inferiority. And thereby, as parts of the Imago Dei, there are no second-class humans or third-class humans. All those distinctions that we keep track of between gender and race and ethnicity and national origin and sexual identity and orientation of religion and socioeconomic status 
Even those divisions that we like to keep between dividing those who are sick and those who are worthy are all short-sighted, suffering from the limits and prejudices found within our narrow human fabrications and false perceptions. But let the redeemed proclaim upon the face of the earth we are all children of God's. Let's sing and celebrate in Jubilee this prayer. Seek God. See God. Choose life. The life that is beautifully expressed in a wonderful and diverse world that God has created. Aren't we all so tired of this social leprosy sweeping our country and our globe. The speckled diseases below the surface of the skin, the unseen bacteria spewing and spreading like a contagion growing out of control, the leprosy of white supremacy, the leprosy of xenophobia, homophobia, racism, and sexism, the leprosy of greed, the leprosy of lies, the leprosy of fear, the leprosy of shame, the leprosy of isolation, the leprosy of betrayal, the leprosy of unjust wars, wounded and screaming children, and people fleeing for their very lives. This leprosy mocks our God and limits God's great and greater will toward the healing God wishes for our planet and for all the people in it. We are calling from a distance. Jesus, Master, Lord, have mercy on us. In part, this is why I love church. And particularly why I love this church. This effort that we have to turn back. To linger just for a little while. To not immediately go our own way. But to gather around the centrality of a loving Jesus who calls us into community because we are here with Jesus' blessings and commands over our illnesses, wishing to free us from the disease condition of the world, wishing to liberate us, to not see each other as foreigners or strangers, but to recognize the Christ that is within each and to claim it and to celebrate it. That here in this sacred space we call Christ Church, we have the permission, indeed the actual manifestation to be God's community where every single person is welcomed and included and equal. Where no one feels more superior than anybody else. 
One of the places I see that on a regular basis in this congregation is not merely here in the pew, but is out there in the foyer where we spend a little bit of time as a sacred community claiming sacred space and recognize that while holy things happen here in this room, equally holy things happen out there in that foyer. When this building was dedicated by Dan Alshire, you might remember him saying, leave it to a Baptist church to build a fellowship hall twice as large as a sanctuary. But in part, that's an emblem of your own identity. We're sitting elbow to elbow at the table of fellowship is just as important as sitting elbow to elbow in the pew as we gather around the Lord's table. That we are willing to spend a little bit of time saying, how are you? I'm interested in you. You're important to me. For you see, our challenge today is so much greater than the challenges of past generations in church. For in former years, in smaller communities, maybe you pass by a church member during the week, maybe several times a week. Maybe you work together. Maybe you lived in the same neighborhood. But might you consider for a moment how often you actually see the people that you claim as your brothers and sisters, as church members and church friends here in this congregation? Well, likely not much time is available. And I'm not saying you have to be on time, but if you walk in, and things are happening, and then you walk right back out, that's fine. But if you want to involve yourself into friendship in Christ, we're going to have to craft a little more space. And so, without asking for an amen, the sermon will quickly conclude. <laughs> I knew it was going to come from the choir. Because I want to encourage you to linger, to turn back, to not merely try to get what you can from Jesus and run out the door, but to recognize how Jesus is here among us, between us, within us, around us. That Jesus is an expression of our life, of his calling in our hearts. And it is wonderful to see it expressed in the life of the church. Because this is the advantage I have often as your pastor. I get to talk to so many of you individually. But if you don't break out of the groups that you're familiar with, there aren't many opportunities that you have to get to talk to one another. And here's what I've learned. You're really some neat people to talk to and be with. And I just simply want to provide the space for you to be together. You know, you never know what someone's going through. You never know what's going on beneath the layer of their skin. 
You never know the troubles, the worries, the anxieties, the hurts, the fears that live right there below the surface. And all of us need a friend or two to help us, to stand by us, to care for us. A friend to say thank you. A friend to say you're valuable. A friend to say, I celebrate you as a child of God. And when you're willing to offer those kind of simple expressions, you find you can be made clean inside and out. Our service today concludes with this hymn, 361, O Christ, our great foundation. May we celebrate the life of the Lord in us as we stand and sing and respond in grace. Let us stand and sing.
here's what's going to happen in a few minutes. I understand that there is a biscuit bar in the foyer. So we've always said if you want to get Baptists to come to something, feed them. So we're going to see if it also holds true that if we want you to stick around, we will also feed you. So you are invited to spend a few moments in the foyer. I know it may run a few lunches, but that's okay too. But you're welcome to stay, say hello, and greet each other in the mighty name of Christ. Also, if you're here somewhere about 5 after 12 or so, you might say hello to our youth who have been on retreat this weekend. They uh, left on Friday afternoon and are getting back sometime about midday. And so you may want to hear their trip and how they did. But if you see all of them kind of show up, it's not because they skipped the sanctuary this morning. They've been on retreat. Um, and then this Wednesday, we have our chili cook-off. And we always try to have a little bit of a competition. So this is what's going to happen, Julia. See if you want to participate. The competition will be hot sauce till everyone begs out except the last one standing. <laughs> and if you want to participate in that competition, um, I'm not sure. You see, Aaron, are you... All right, Raleigh's the MC. Uh, he's not choosing who gets to participate, uh, but we'll see who has courageous stomachs uh, among us. And that'll be happening this Wednesday night. You'll see more details in the bulletin. All right, you ready for some four-year time? Amen. How about the biscuits? Are you ready for those? Yeah. Yeah, I knew I'd get them. Our benediction today is an adapted blessing from Desmond Tutu. Peace for the children of God. O oh God, O oh Holy One, you are our father and our mother, and we are your children. Open our eyes so we might be able to see your features in every one of your children. May we know that you want us to care for one another as those who know they are brothers and sisters members of the same family, your family, the human family. And may we know war no more as we strive to be what you want us to be, your children.